Some of you uh, ladies may remember years ago a magazine called McCall Magazine. And uh, I'm sorry I don't have time to do a lot of small talk today. They gave me 10 minutes. And so I got to hurry, you know what I'm saying? But uh, you ladies, listen to me. Maybe you remember that well-known magazine. In 1957, they summoned the greatest American painter to paint a cover for their December 1957 magazine. Well, they went to the greatest, Norman Rockwell. Well, it only took him 10 years to get it painted. They didn't make the December 57 cover, but they did in 67, 1967, a picture behind me of that incredible painting. Some of you are aware that uh, Rockwell, after almost 11 years, decided to paint a tribute to small town America. And what's fascinating about this particular painting is kind of the aftermath of it. Most of us are aware, some may be for the very first time introduced to the fact that this little town, Stockbridge, Massachusetts, uh, Rockwell went and he painted every part of it in oil. And that little town for every year since that printing has come together and replicated three weeks before Christmas that exact painting. Now, think about it for just a moment. Every car put in the identical place that it is in the painting. That meant what? 13 cars had to be perfectly restored with the exact same paint on it. Even the children that are play, pay, playing here in the painting, they would not allow them to grow up. They had to come back each and every year just as they were. But that little community began that process of recapturing Rockwell's painting year after year. In fact, every year until 2020, when something called the pandemic hit, they have done that. This year, to much of the dismay of literally thousands of people that stormed Stockbridge, Massachusetts, every first weekend in December, to see the replication of that exact Rockwell painting year after year after year. And I guess uh, that's what's so amazing to me about this incredible Christmas story in painting is the fact that, you know, when you think about it, it's, it's really quite amazing, isn't it? That art did not copy life, but in this particular moment, life Seems to, seems to copy art. What is it about all of us that try and do our best to attempt to recapture the very essence of Christmas in all of the peripheral things? I mean, year after year, we, we have Clarence tell us that our lives are really wonderful. And we go back there to re try to recapture that moment. Or we have Chris Kringle remind us that he's going to be here to bring us all of the incredible, uh, I, I guess, the wishes of our Christmas season. Uh, I made a terrible mistake last week preaching. I, I talked about Hallmark movies. 
And uh, did you notice that this week, I'm telling you, I I think it was in direct reflection to my comments during the message, uh, I I have received at least a half a dozen texts where people said, you're exactly right, Pastor. People sending me these snapshots, it began snowing at one hour and 42 minutes into the movie. I mean, people all over church. There was a bag left in my office, an anonymous bag, and if you left it, please come forward. It was a bag with Becky, a special t-shirt, a Hallmark watching t-shirt for the Christmas season. And did you notice that Hallmark now has made this disclaimer? They said, we own Christmas. And they came back and said, we have the largest demographic around the Christmas season of any news network. 63% of every woman aged 21 to 59 tune in in America to Hallmark. And so they have proclaimed, we own, we own Christmas. And today I just, uh, I love Christmas. I know you do as well. But I just want to remind you That for us to go back and even though it's on our Christmas cards and try to recapture that manger scene, why would we spend so much energy trying to recapture that scene? We could find a much more sanitary scene at Christus here in Longview. What is it about us that we continue to try to go back time and time again to replicate all of the peripherals The Bible gives us in such a succinct, incredible verse. It was a a different verse because Matthew spent so much of his time talking about the lineage in Matthew 1 of the coming of the Savior and who he was related to and, 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 and all that unfolded. But this particular gospel writer, John, put the gospel message and the real story of Christmas in one very succinct verse. And his focus was not on people, but on an event, a moment, a moment that changed everything. Do you remember that incredible verse in John chapter one and verse 14? And the word, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, listen, full of grace and full of truth. There is the very essence of Christmas. The thing that we really needed, you and I needed desperately a Savior. And when our God chose to send his own son, not a son that was born in terms of essence. The essence of our God has lived forever. But the birth of his what? Incarnation. The birth of his human flesh. When he did that, that was the mark of the beginning of the Savior's appearance in planet Earth. And we spend more time each year, don't we? Worried about how many animals were in the manger and what the smell of the manger was and what it must be like for Mary and Joseph. And many times, just almost as a side effect, well, yeah, there was a birth. 
And this Christmas, I want to encourage you. Celebrate. Celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over there in the book of Exodus, one of my favorite moments in all the Bible because moments where we're able to see God are so rare. I mean, rare. We hear these moments where the apostle Paul says, hey, I was able to see something, a very glimpse of heaven, but I didn't convey it to people. I didn't didn't want to be boastful. I didn't want people to think I was nuts and crazy. I mean, you have these little snapshots in the Old and New Testament where we get just some, some, some idea or glimpses of God. But over there in the book of Exodus, we have one of my favorite moments. Exodus 33 and Exodus 34 incredible moment because as you know uh, Moses is spending time with the Lord down on the mount below him the people have rebelled they're worshiping some kind of object a calf and in, in one of the most incredible moments in all the Bible where we get to see a man talk to God and it's all recorded for us and God is just he is he is so frustrated with his people down below that he tells Moses Moses This is it. I'm going to just take all of their lives. And you remember Moses goes to bat for these Israelite children. Well, they've been through a lot. And and, and Moses says, don't do that. And, And remember, Moses makes this appeal to God. It's an incredible moment. And God says, well, okay, I'm going to spare them, but I'm not going to take them in. I'm not going to take them to the promised land. I'll just dispatch an angel to do that. And you remember Moses says, well, I'm just going to drop down here on the ground. If you're not going with us, then I'm not going. And I don't think the people will go. And so God says, well, okay, I'll take you. And you remember it was out of that discourse that Moses, I guess, pushes God to the very limit as far as a human could. I guess Moses in his heart says, you know, there's something else I would like, God. I would like to see you. I want to not just see you, but I want to see your glory. And you remember God says, well, Mo, I can't do that. Because you can't handle it. You'll die. But he says, since you were bold enough to ask, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cover you in the cleft of this rock. You can look as I pass by, and I'll cover you. And once I've passed by, you can then look. And you can see the aftermath of my glory. You can see me from behind, so to speak, after I've passed by. That'll be the best that I can do. And I just want to read for you those incredible moments as Moses was there in the cleft of the rock. Here's what the Bible says. And the Lord, the God, the compassionate and gracious God, this is Exodus 34, verse 6, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiven wickedness, rebellion and sin. There was a description. There was the description of God that Moses was able to see all of those incredible attributes and the, some of the very essence of the nature of God. But did you notice there was one thing missing? Moses was not able to see God's glory. But I want to return 
to that very moment that John penned that incredible verse. And I want you to listen to it again. John 1.14, incredible moment. You remember it? And the word became what? Flesh. And made dwelling, his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You want to know what the essence of Christmas is? It's not the peripheral. It's that incredible truth that you and I have seen his glory. The very glory of God through our covenant and relationship with him. We've been able to be witnesses not only with the preservation of the incredible Christmas story and the word of God, but through our own relationship through salvation in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Incredible. There is Christmas. If there's anything we would love to see recreated, it is the awesome, incredible glory of God being manifest in his people and the abundance of our joy that we have seen the glory of God. His name, Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we come to you today and I don't know whether it's the nostalgia that we try to reconnect to each year. It's the replication of the tree or the lights or a menu. But Lord, this Christmas, I pray that we would not so much be focused on the replication of the peripheral things around Christmas, but we would celebrate his name, the name Jesus. And Father, as we do so, we understand that our God has always existed. But in that defining moment, the event that John so aptly described, our God came in human flesh and they named him Jesus, the saving one, the savior of the world. Father, there has never been a moment in all of the history of this world more magnificent than in that very moment. And Father, we know that was just the beginning of a ministry and then a price that was paid, a substitution for each and every one of us, our sin, our separation. And Father, we thank you this Christmas as we celebrate Jesus. And so Father, as we share Merry Christmas, I pray that we share the very glory of the Lord that we've seen and the evidence of the joy that's abounding in our hearts so that others may see the transformation in us. And Father, as we look around this world, our world is broken. There are troubling signs and days and difficulties and challenges. And so Father, there's, there's, these are unparalleled times and the need and the desperation of those looking for answers in so many elements. Elements of the heart 
some that are missing someone this Christmas, some that are discouraged this Christmas, are lonely this Christmas, some that are hurting this Christmas. So, Father, that we might be the very carriers, we might transport that incredible Christmas message, a Savior, a Savior is born. And these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.